Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Hello, everybody. We are super excited for today's episode with our friend, Becky Mollenkamp. She's a business mentor for women entrepreneurs, and she helps them write out all those words that are stuck in their heads so they can make some big changes and push forward in their business. She also was a rock star at landing corporate clients, and that's actually what we're chatting about today. Yeah, so inside this episode, we are jumping into the process of how the heck do you, as a creative, get in the eyeballs or the inboxes of corporate businesses and land those bigger projects, potentially retainer projects? And then how can you utilize a program like LinkedIn to up your connections and up your chances of getting in front of those people? And continue to pitch yourself at events like trade shows and trade publications and so much more. It's a jam-packed episode. We're excited for you to jump in. It's going to be a good one. Thanks for coming on the show, Becky. Thank you, ladies. I'm happy to be here. We're excited to have you. Today, we are diving into landing corporate clients as a creative solopreneur. And Becky is no stranger to this process. So I'd love to know, like, why even think about corporate clients? I think a lot of people are hesitant with this approach, but I have this gut reaction (laughs) that corporate people tend to have larger budgets and they're willing to pay creatives to do things for them. So what got you into working with corporate in the first place? And why do you think it's a great opportunity for other creatives out there? My background is corporate. It's creative corporate, but corporate nonetheless. So I worked for one of the largest... 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I worked for one of the largest publishing companies in the country for quite a few years. And when I left to become a freelancer, it was really a natural fit to continue to work with corporate clients. In the beginning, it just meant working with that same publishing company and other magazine companies. But then, you know, the world has changed and magazines aren't what they used to be. And so I had to sort of shift my focus and find other clients to do writing for. And I knew the corporate world. I understood it. And so it made a lot of sense to me just to continue to court those kinds of clients. And I think a lot of creatives don't think about corporate clients because I think they think they're stuffy and they don't need creatives. And the truth is, even the stuffiest corporation still has marketing materials. They still have to promote their business. They still need people to write blog posts or photograph headshots or products or a million other things. You know, they need illustrators, they need graphic designers. So they still need creatives. It's just a different kind of environment. So I think that a lot of times we don't think about it. We don't think they're our fit. It makes sense to court other creatives. But honestly, corporate clients need creatives. And like you said, they've got pocketbooks. They've got big, deep pocketbooks. Um, And so I think there's actually a lot of benefits to working with corporate clients. And I think in addition to having those big pocketbooks, they tend to be people that are more receptive to retainers. And you know, if you've owned a business for a while, you know that if you can have a retainer, you have monthly income that you know is coming in. And if you're somebody like me who used to work a corporate nine to five, one of the things, it may be one of the only things you miss about that world is the stability. And so having the kind of clients that can let you have that stability again, that's such a lifesaver. You know, it's such a, it takes so much of that stress off about running your own business. And the so, other, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. I was say another thing about corporate clients too is that they don't always, because of those bigger budgets, they're less likely, I think, to haggle over every last penny. That's what I was just going to ask. Yeah, which is kind of nice, you know? Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with working with people with small budgets. I do that too. And I love those people. And I am one of those people. I have a smaller budget. So when I hire someone, I am the kind of person who probably tends to say like, okay, do we really need to spend this? Can we maybe not do this little piece of that? So I get it. But it, it, there's some freedom in working with people who aren't going to necessarily take that approach. Mm-hmm. So when everyone else, all your competitors are competing for all those same creative clients, and I know that they're fun. But you can differentiate yourself by working with a different group of people or add it to the mix. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that creative freedom is a little bit different as well? Like when you're working with corporate clients, do you feel like you get more or less when you work with those type of of people? It kind of depends. I I mean, it's sort of more and less in that very often they have a real firm idea of what it is they need. Mm -hmm. And so they're looking for someone to do the specific thing. But they also tend to be a little more hands-off. Now, it's every client's different, of course, so you can't say universally every corporate client's going to be like, here, run with this. But my experience has been that most of them, you know, they don't have the time to micromanage every contractor they're using. So they get real clear about what it is they need. But then once they hand it off, it's kind of your baby until you turn it in, you know, so there is some freedom in that and that you're not having someone watching everything you're doing or questioning every little thing because they're so close to it. So there is that, but there may not be as much freedom in that. A lot of times they're governed by a lot of really strict rules within the corporation on what they can and can't do. And so that might limit some freedom. Plus a lot of times you're working with industries that are just not that's sexy and fun. So, you know, it may not be that you get to be as clever and cute as you could with someone who's in the creative world, but there is still some freedom within it, I think. Yeah. I remember when I was in corporate, we would have creative freelancers, both writers and designers, and they would come in and they managed their own hours and they still were their own boss, but they had to work within our guidelines. And sometimes that meant you know, 
use our brand colors and our brand fonts or you have like, I worked in the insurance world. So everything had to go through the legal department before it left our building. And so sometimes the writers would get a little frustrated because they're like, I really can't say that one phrase. Are you serious? (laughs) But it was just like, it's too promissory or whatever. And so I think you might run into different limitations, but a lot of times they're so stable Like, they're almost, like, predictable. Like, I know what's going to please this corporate client. So it's, like, my bread and butter. I can Mm -hmm. just get it out there, and they're going to be super happy. And I don't have to think as hard as sometimes these – if you're doing creative work for other creatives, they're going to, like, question every move you make and be a little more challenging to work with. And so, I don't know. How did you find your right fit? How did you go about finding – the right corporate clients and how do you even go about like initiating that initial conversation? I think they might seem really intimidating to get those initial meetings going. So how did you start approaching people? I think that's probably one of the biggest things that creatives maybe are afraid to approach as corporate clients out of fear of rejection. Like, you know, oh, they're not going to choose me because I don't have that corporate experience or there must be a million people that want to work with this company. Why me? And I think the truth is that a lot of people don't want to work with those unsexy businesses. I mean, I think if you're going after Target and Anthropology and the really cool, fun, giant brands, yeah, it's a lot harder. There's a lot more competition. But when I'm talking about corporate clients, I really mean more like, you know, lawyers and doctors, plastic surgeons, manufacturers. I mean, think about things where it's maybe not as sexy and fun. It's not those big, giant brands. But anyone who has a website, anyone who has brochures or whatever needs that kind of creative help. And that's basically everyone. And so for me, it was more about what do I, where do I have some experience? And I started doing some freelance writing while I was still working with my corporate client. And so I had a little bit of experience in some niche industries from doing some freelance writing. And so basically, I just looked at what do I know? Where's my knowledge set? And who could use this? And started just approaching people. And like at first, it's you approach a lot of people and you may not get as much return. So you kind of have to be able to handle rejection, but also know that, you know, the more niche that you go and maybe a little bit smaller, the better your chances. Cause there just aren't as many courting people courting those companies and they all need help. And so really the biggest place I think for me is LinkedIn and it has been the number one driver of my business. And I think people are a lot of times surprised when they ask me about that. But the truth is I've gotten I mean, almost every year for the last few years, LinkedIn has accounted for half of my income, maybe more. And last year, just like two of my biggest clients that found me through LinkedIn, I didn't find them. They, you know, it was like 40,000 in income just from those two people last year. So the amount of time that it takes to spend on LinkedIn isn't that significant. And it's so worth it if you're trying to court this kind of client. Well, talk to us more about that LinkedIn strategy. I am coming. I've never had a LinkedIn account (laughs) ever. I've never, ever worked in the corporate world. So I literally know nothing other than I've taken my husband's headshot for his LinkedIn profile. Yeah. And I think here's the thing about LinkedIn. So many people think it's just an online resume and that's how they treat it. And so if you, they, they start an account, they go in and they put their education, they put their experience, maybe they write a little bio, put it out there and then they never touch it again. Mm -hmm. And so if that's the approach you're taking, which I would bet 90% of the people listening to this, that's probably the approach they've taken then you're not going to get any traffic from that. You're not, it's not going to lead anywhere. And so you might be saying, oh, well, LinkedIn doesn't do, any, doesn't do anything for me. Well, you're not doing anything with LinkedIn. So of course it's not doing anything for you. It's like any other social site. You really have to work it if you want it to work for you. And so 
there's actually quite a few things that you can do. The most important basic, like just start, is optimize your bio, which is basically SEO for LinkedIn. So instead of just throwing up like some clever title or whatever it is for yourself, really answer the question, how can I help this customer? So think through who it is that you want to help with corporate clients or what it is that you can provide for corporate clients and make that little one-line bio that appears right under your name something really clear that tells them what you do. So mine says content marketing that helps B2Bs turn browsers into buyers. So if they're a B2B company and they're looking for content marketing, I have the keywords and I tell them exactly what I'm going to do for them. And so I think just starting there will make a world of difference because people are searching on there for people to provide services to them. And so you need to think through what content you're putting out there. So that's kind of like just the basic starting point. But there are so many things. So it depends on how much you want to talk about LinkedIn, but I can give you a lot of tips on that area too. Well, I definitely think let's talk through like the daily usage. Like I think a lot of people are like, I get the idea of optimizing my profile a little bit, maybe adding some portfolio stuff. I I, I can get that. But after I'm done with that, how do I continue using it to either find people or like post on it? Because there's like ways to post blogs and post on like the threads. And is it worth my time? Where, where do you see the most bang for your buck? So for me, I've had people who've just searched for content marketing, B2B, whatever, and they find me that way. Another one of my biggest clients found me because I do create content specifically on LinkedIn. So I really, my business kind of has two facets. I do this content marketing for B2Bs, and then I'm also doing business mentoring for creatives. So I'm working both corporate and creatives. So my content that goes out on Facebook and Instagram and you know everywhere else is all geared towards the creatives because that's where they live. But LinkedIn, because I'm looking for those corporate clients, I create completely separate content for those that audience that goes only and lives on there and it goes on LinkedIn. So they have their own system platform for content, which is called Pulse. And so you use it just like you would your WordPress site. You can copy and paste your blog posts if they make sense, but you can go and create content that's geared specifically for that audience. So it might be something that's totally separate if you're trying to court these corporate clients sort of in addition to what you're doing with creatives. And so that's what I do. I go on and I create content that goes onto LinkedIn there's a way to tag things when you are going to post it and you can use like three different keywords. And so I always make sure that I use my keywords when I do that. That content goes out. Everyone that is someone who follows me sees that stuff. And of course, just like any other platform, LinkedIn gives preference to that kind of original content. So your followers or the people that you're connected with on there are going to see that more likely than just if you share like a link to your website to a blog post. And I've had people that have found me because of that, particularly as a writer. I think writers, it makes a lot of sense to be sharing that kind of content because if someone's looking for a writer, they're going to look, it's it's a portfolio for you. But mm-hmm. I think it's also a great way to show other people your authority, no matter what you do. So if you're a photographer, let these corporate clients know that you know what they need and that you're the person who can do it by providing that really good thought leadership content. What's your frequency on that? Are you posting like once a month, once a week? Like what, what's been helpful for you? Well, when I am more consistent, I do better with LinkedIn. So I, you know, sometimes, right. 
And sometimes this is a do as I say, not as I do. And right. so I don't always do the best at being consistent. It's uh, it's always like in my docket of things to do, but now with a baby and everything else that I'm juggling, it doesn't always get done. But I would say at least I my goal is once a week to put something out there that's original. That doesn't always happen. But what does always happen is that I'm curating content. So I'm always sharing stuff, which is super simple. Just do it in your Hootsuite while you're whatever program you use that has LinkedIn while you're doing everything else. Anything that's kind of business related, share that stuff because it reminds people you exist. Even if it's not your own content, you know, it just reminds people like, oh, there's that Becky again. You know, she's showing up in my feed a lot so that when it comes time for that, them to look for someone, you're going to be top of mind. So I'm doing that. Like I try to put out, I try to share content at least three or four times a day. And then I try to do original content once a week. That doesn't always happen. Are you adding new connections that you necessarily haven't met? Or are you only waiting to add new connections after you've been introduced to someone or met them in person? For me, if somebody wants to request my connection on LinkedIn, accept. I Mm -hmm. I accept it all. I mean, occasionally, yeah, I end up getting some spam junk email. I get people trying to sell me junk. It's pretty simple just to ignore them or to report them, you know, ditch them. But I think if someone wants to connect with me, why wouldn't I? It's not like a Facebook or somewhere else where you might be putting out real personal information. So it's truly just a professional platform. There's really no other use for it. I've heard horror stories about people trying to like get dates and things on LinkedIn, which is just nonsense to me. I know. So there may be some of that that will come up if you put out your, you know, if you accept everyone. But generally, most people are just on there professionally. So if they want to accept, if they want to ask me for connection, great. I don't know where that might lead. I don't know how they found out about me. They may have seen my name somewhere and that may be their way that they're trying to research me more and learn more about me. And that may be that they want to connect with me. So I don't, I actively add people whenever I meet someone and I go and try and see if they're on LinkedIn, if they're using it and I'll connect. But I also accept everything that comes in. And I will say that one of the most interesting things that I've started doing more recently and hadn't before that I think is really powerful and something I don't think people always think to do is when someone adds me, I send them a message and thank them for adding me. I've looked at their site first. I find some shared connection, some point of interest and reference it so they know I'm really looking at what they're doing. And then I try to say, hey, if you're interested in setting up a time to chat to talk about what I do or how I can help your business, here's my link to my calendar. And that's worked. And so it was something I never used to do. And I think it's something for people to think about. Because if someone's taking the time to uh, send you a connection, there may be a reason. And that may be just that little push that they need to say, you know what, I was curious about her services. Why don't I'll just go ahead and accept this and let's talk. And so now you've got them because you know, once you can convert that kind of semi-warm lead into someone that you're talking to, then you get to sell yourself, right? You get to prove your worth. And so that's, if you can make that little conversion happen with something as simple as a quick message to them, that's huge. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get it's set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, if I remember anything about corporate, it's that you are doing stuff on the fly and then you're in meetings all day. And so if they went to connect with you and then you didn't connect back like immediately, like obviously there's a misconnection there. So the fact that you're following up with them with like actual words (laughs) in their inbox is awesome and it gives them a way to really reach back out. I love that. I think that's a great, really personal way Mm -hmm. to use it. I haven't really heard anyone else talk about that. Mm -mm. So outside of LinkedIn, what are some other things possibly like in-person types of events or meetings that feel like have been helpful for you in gaining more corporate clients? I think getting familiar with associations in industries that you're interested in. And like I said, the more niche you can make your efforts, the better, but you don't necessarily have to niche down. But if you can find some industries that you think they could really use my services, I really get what they do. I know I could be good for them, or I have some experience, even if it's kind of tangential experience in some industry, target those, find out what the big associations are in those industries and spend some time on their websites because you're going to be able to learn from there about trade shows or events, in-person networking events in your town. You know, you can 
maybe join the association. Sometimes those are really expensive and it may not be worthwhile, but you can also glean a lot of information from those websites. Like they, a lot of times they'll have members names and email addresses. They'll have, you know, if you read enough about them, you can find out kind of who's doing what, what kind of changes are happening with that in that, within that industry, who's launching, who's not. And there's information in there that can help you target people to reach out to. And it also is a great way to get educated about that industry so that when you do target these people, you can make it clear, hey, I really do know what's going on in your industry. And that's what most of these people are looking for, particularly the more niche down you get, the more specific that industry They just don't have that many people out there to do their creative that understands what they do. So if you can say, like, I get what it means to sell a pool right? and I can design your website, that's huge because they there's a million designers out there that can do their website, but there's not that many that understand their industry and selling pools or whatever that really specific thing is. So spend some time doing that. And then if you're able to go to a trade show, great. Another thing that you can think about doing is pitching yourself as a speaker for a trade show or for a networking event. That's probably the better place to start. Start smaller. You know, go to these associations and say, hey, I'd love to talk to your membership about using photography in your business, like how to get the best photos for your website or whatever it is that you do and make it really specific to their industry and go show yourself as the expert. We did that when we were still getting one-on-one clients and still working towards that. And honestly, we used it not necessarily because it was full of our like dreamy clients, but we really wanted to use it as like speaking experience and getting in front of a crowd. And we use that as like leverage and experience for bigger and better things. It's good practice. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. And gives you an opportunity to hone those skills. And heck, if you make one good connection from it, exactly, it's worth your time and it can pay for itself. So, I mean, pay for itself is in tr- your time mm-hmm. value. And heck, usually there's a good free catered lunch. Yeah. Well, and we got paid for it too. So it was all around a really nice yeah. event. <laughs> yeah, I mean, times. Again, those corporate clients, they have money and those associations generally have money. So they mm-hmm. are sometimes paid speaking opportunities. But even if it's not, like you said, if you can get one person, I mean, one of these jobs from someone you know, can pay you thousands. And so it's yeah. always going to be worth your time. Mm-hmm. And you asked about how else to reach out to people. Yeah. Another thing that I think that people don't always think about is just looking for shared connections, which LinkedIn's great for that because it has, it will show you your shared connections. So if you're on there, you can find out who you know, who's connected to someone you're interested in. But you know, the other thing that I don't think we always think about doing, especially when we're starting. So if you're starting and you're like, I don't even know how to, like, it all feels too big. I can't reach out to these people. A warm lead is obviously always better than a cold lead, right? So if you can find a connection, it's going to be a lot better. So Post on your personal Facebook page and just say, hey, I'm thinking about trying to do more work with corporate clients. This is what I do. Who knows somebody in a marketing department or whatever that can, you know, either generally you're gonna be looking for people in marketing departments, overworked, busy marketing departments that are hiring stuff out, or companies that maybe aren't big enough to have a marketing department yet, and they have someone like an office manager or maybe even a CEO, business owner who's trying to hire these things out. So ask your personal connections and say, who knows someone? That's worked for me. And I think a lot of us get a little like, well, first of all, I think we forget that the people that we're friends with on Facebook like are professionals, you know? And have jobs. Like they have jobs. Yeah. <laughs> we just think of them as our friends and family, but yeah. we all go to work too, right? And so it's amazing how many of them know people that might be able to help you. So I think we forget to ask. And I think sometimes we feel weird asking, but I don't think you should be afraid to ask. I mean, the people that are in your Facebook circle generally are your friends and family. They care about you. They want you to succeed. So reach out to them and ask them for support. And a lot of times they'll be happy to do that. And so if you can get one of them to give you an introduction to someone, that makes like all the difference. 
that's even better than a LinkedIn shared connection. Because again, sometimes you may not really know that person on LinkedIn that well. So asking them for a referral may feel even more strange. But if it's your your aunt, I mean, of course, she's going to be happy to help you out. So ask there first. It's a great place to start when you're first starting trying to reach corporate clients. So once you have those connections going and you have that initial conversation, maybe they pitch a project to you and say, I want to try this one project with you to get started. And we'll just see how this goes. I've seen a lot of corporate people do that. They'll just, they'll throw, they'll throw you a bone Mm -hmm. and see if you're good fit for their group. And, but I think a lot of people were like, but I don't know what price to give them. And because you're like, but I think they can afford more (laughs) because they're bigger. So should I just like triple my normal prices or like, I'm just confused. So please bring the people (laughs) into the corporate creative pricing circle and say, what, what do we do here? First thing I will say is I always ask them what their budget is before I give numbers. If they push back and like somebody demands to know what my rate is, I will do that. But uh, nine times out of 10 with corporate clients, and actually, honestly, nine times out of 10 with any client, it feels like, I feel like if I say, what's your budget? What do you want to pay for this? They come back with a number that's higher than I was thinking, you know, Mm -hmm. because I think we have this tendency to devalue ourselves and underprice ourselves. And if you're the kind of person who knows that about themselves, then try really hard to get them to give you a price first because it's probably going to be higher than you were thinking, right? So start there. But if they push back and you have to get a price, I think some people feel like, oh, it's unethical in some way to charge some this corporate client more just because they have more money. Like my services, if I charge X for this, I should always charge X for this. Their value is more because right. they get more bang for their buck out of it. Mm-hmm. You, they do one ad, they could get 20,000 in business from it. Whereas like, uh, the creative small business owner, they don't, they only may get one or it two customers. It doesn't, it's right. not the same return on investment. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. And I, cause it makes me crazy. I always feel bad. Like people say that and I'm thinking, no, no, no. Like, I don't think I'm being unethical by charging corporate clients more. I know that if I sell something to this bigger name, it's going to be seen by 10,000 times more people or whatever it is. And so, of course, I should get paid more. You know, if you're writing, a, in my case, if I'm writing a story for a little trade magazine that has a circulation of 10,000 people, or I'm writing something for a giant magazine that has a million, that 10,000 to a million is a huge leap in the number of people seeing it. So mm-hmm. just think about it like cost per impression, like it should be more, right? And so definitely think about how big is this client? Like how, what's the reach? How much of an impact will this have? And you should increase your rates by that percentage or whatever it is. And so it's pricing is always such a hard thing to get into because it's so specific to what you're doing. But I never like to have, I do not have standard pricing. If somebody asks me for my price sheet, don't have it. I need to know the scope of the project. You know, how much work is going to be involved? What are your expectations? Who's going to see this? How's it going to be used? Because I think all of those things should affect your pricing. And so it's hard for me to say how much to price, but I would say first start with their budget. And secondly, absolutely, you should charge more. And you need to take all of those things into account and think about, first of all, just on your end, how much more work is going to be involved for you. And secondly, how much of a return on investment are they going to get off of this? What is that percentage more than it would be if it was a smaller client and price it accordingly. Yeah. I think it's su- it's such a different ball game than working with a small creative business. And, you know, when I came out 
of the corporate world and started working with small businesses, that was the game I was used to playing. And so I was really hesitant to put my pricing anywhere because I was used to doing custom project estimates and really thinking about what they needed. And then as my audience shifted, I was like, everybody needs like custom packages and are like, and they're just going to be the same price all the time, no matter what. And, you know, hearing you talk about this makes me go, well, yeah, like there's this small niche of the world. Mm -hmm. If you're working with a certain type of person, I wouldn't have your pricing on your website. Mm -hmm. I would just be clear about your qualifications and really price according to who you're working with because there's just so much opportunity and I don't want you to like miss it, miss out because you priced yourself into a box. And if you're somebody who's working with creatives and trying to add this in addition to, so you're not saying like, oh, I don't ever want to work with creatives again. I'm only going to work with corporate. Like I want, I just want to add corporate. It's it's okay if you have your create your pricing for creatives on your website. If a corporate person approaches you and says, oh, I saw that you do this for that price, you can say, do not be afraid to say, I'm sorry, but that pricing is actually only for solo solopreneurs mm-hmm. or something, so that they know, or businesses with fewer than you know X employees or businesses with fewer than X followers and social media, whatever it is, right. and say my corporate pricing is, or you know, I can give you a custom quote based on your project, but corporate pricing is different. You can even explain that to them. The whole idea of return on investment and size of audience and all of those things that we talked about so that they know, but don't be afraid or think just because you have this price listed that that means you have to honor it for a corporate corporate client because you don't. Do you see corporate clients using your website and navigating the various pages that you're working to build on there in the same way that creative businesses do? No. Corporate (laughs) clients don't come to my website. It's amazing to me how, and that's a back to LinkedIn and I don't want to harp on it, but I can't tell you how important it is for corporate clients because I'm, I am always amazed. I spend all this time to build this website and do my branding and I'm putting out content and I kept like, people would still send me a message through LinkedIn. I couldn't make it easier to find my email address. Like it's everywhere on the web. It's on my web, my website. If you search Becky Mollenkamp, I'm sure it comes up. Like it couldn't be easier. And they don't email me. They go through LinkedIn and send me a message. And I just think, what is that? And I started, instead of fighting it, which is what I used to do, I finally just said, okay, LinkedIn is clearly where that world lives. And so that's where I'm going to put my efforts when it comes to them. And I quit worrying about it on my website. I think I still have something about need a writer on my website, but Basically, 99% of the content on my website now is geared towards my creative clients. Because I think that's super freeing. Yeah. Then, like your website is then literally for your other piece of your business. So you don't have to feel like your messaging has to be for two different people. Like corporate, I can very much see it. They just don't have the time to they, sift through I mean, that. I would occasionally go to people we were hiring to look at their portfolio, especially for like graphic designers. Like I definitely want to see your work. Or writers, I didn't necessarily need to see their website, but I wanted to see clips. Like, mm-hmm. please send me clips from various pieces, especially like ads. Like, I want to see this ad or this brochure and just how you work in different formats. Because some writers may be awesome at writing a white paper, but they suck at writing ad copy because it's not the same process. And some writers would just say they're good at everything and you need <laughs> you need to know so you can look. And some writers are great at really adjusting for both. So I think it's, I mean, being on the other side where I was hiring that person, it's 
I, I remember not looking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> have one to exist, but especially if you have another brand that you're trying to highlight, like, I think that's, it's pretty nice that you can equally keep them separate. The, I think that's why I didn't have a portfolio for mm-hmm. six months and still had clients. Like, exactly. They don't care. They didn't care at all. Like, it was me presenting my information, and I think you're the model. Like, you go in, you talk to them. If they trust you, then they're going to hire you. Right. It's less of a... I'm going to check up on their website and go to their Instagram. And like, they just don't do that. They don't have the time. It was, it was really nice when I finally just, I I knew it for so long, but kept fighting it for some reason. And once Mm -hmm. I finally just had that realization of like, why am I doing this? My split personality feelings went away because I struggled with that for so long. Like I felt yeah. like I had this split personality. And I know so many people who feel that way where it's like, but I don't want to not address this client. But if you learn where your clients live, and I think it goes beyond corporate and just all clients, like if you know where they yeah. live, then just make that messaging for them and don't try so hard to be doing it all. And so my you website doesn't talk do to it both all. people if they're not both there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on my website, I mean, they can go. If somebody sees it, and I think they do sometimes, it looks professional. So that's great. Right. They know I know what I'm doing. And my content isn't for them, but they can still see that I am that I can write content, whatever. Right. So they see it, but what I'm putting on LinkedIn is really what they're judging me by. And I, it's interesting. You talked about portfolio, and that was something I was going to make sure we talked about too, is that you need to have that prepared for them. But like I used to have it on my website for that very reason. And then I realized they were never looking. They were just mm-hmm. sending me a message. And then they would once we got into conversation, then they would say, let me see some examples of your work. So I took it off my website because it was like it was taking up a lot of space. It was a pain in the butt to keep up to date it didn't really serve me. And so why was I doing it? And so I think having that is really important. You need to be prepared when they ask you for samples of your work to show them what you can do. But you can do that outside of having to have something on your website or even on LinkedIn necessarily. Yeah, it could be as simple as a PDF attachment that you send them that's 10 pages long. It doesn't have... And- 10 pages, that doesn't have to be words necessary, unless you're a writer. <laughs> Whatever it is you do. <laughs> right. Be prepared to have something for sure and have it look nice. And the more specific you can make it to their industry or what they're doing, the better. But don't feel like courting corporate clients now means you have to like have this whole special section on your website for them or that you have to create a new portfolio on there for them. Or It doesn't have to be a lot of extra work. Go on LinkedIn, get that into ship shape mm-hmm. and Try to find those connections that you can and and work on a good cold email. Again, warm is always going to be better, but it's, it doesn't hurt to do some cold emailing. That has led to clients for me, so you can do it. Work on that, but don't spend a ton of time worrying about like getting all this messaging and all of this stuff created perfect for them on your website or it's not. it doesn't have to be that hard. Exactly. So we've talked about writers and graphic designers, but do you have any other creatives that you think would be perfect for corporate clients? Maybe like some creatives think outside the box that they could be good for working with bigger clients like this. Photographers, obviously. Illustrators, even calligraphers. Like It's amazing how much these different corporations need people to do all kinds of things. So a lot of them have really big, fancy events. And so sometimes they need a calligrapher for that. Like You might not think of them that for that kind of work. Also people that are like interior designers and want to get into magazine work. I know as somebody who came from that world, there's a real need and those people are definitely being used. And as an interior designer, you might want to do home staging. So you might want to work with your local real estate company. I mean, just 
whatever it is that you do, try to think about other ways that that skill can be used and how it could be applied to what some company is doing. So think about all the marketing efforts. Think about events too, because within event planning, there's a lot of use for creatives. So just try to think about other ways that your services can the actual event planning itself. Sometimes they don't have an event planning person on staff. And so they'll hire out an external company to plan their corporate events, like uh, a gala or something like that once a year. And so if you get in with the right person at the right time, like Mm -hmm. you could end up planning huge parties with big budgets. And how fun is that? I want to do that. No, you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> you're a liar. You, you think you're like, sounds magical. Yeah. It's a pain in the butt. <laughs> I've worked on a lot of events. So no, no, you do not. Emily. <laughs> well, the, those are really awesome tips. And I'm excited to see that a ton of creatives have a ton of opportunity. Yeah. They just really need to think outside of the box. I was going to mention one more video videographers. Yes. They're, they need video people so badly. Yes, they do. Good video people. Because they have a lot of sucky video people <laughs> and they need better video people. So if you're creative, they're looking for alternative people. Um, so let's get into talk strategy to me and let's go over if someone wants to get a corporate client this week, what are five steps they can take using LinkedIn to start getting a client in the door? So first of all, like we talked about, optimize your bio. So really make sure that it's written in a way it shouldn't be as cute and clever as what you're doing elsewhere. It needs to be clear. Make it clear what you do. And the big thing is why do they care? What are the benefits to that person? So think through what it is you're putting out and then start to create an editorial calendar for LinkedIn, just like you do for your blog or anywhere else. What is the content? Go through brainstorm. What kind of things can you share with corporate clients to show them your knowledge? that it will apply to them. So if you're a photographer, how can you write about photography in a way that a corporate client's going to care, right? So teach them something, create that editorial calendar, and you don't have to start once a week, start once a month. So come up with 12 topics and that's, you know, the next year planned out, boom. Mm -hmm. And and Pulse couldn't be any easier to use. So when you get in there and create content, you'll see it's really simple to do. Third is start making connections. So if you're if you're not really using LinkedIn, now get on there and start to actually connect with people. So you can, like I said, ask your personal network, who do you know in the corporate world, and go connect with those people. But the great thing about LinkedIn too, just like I said, I take anyone's request basically. A lot of people take that same approach because it is all professional. So you don't have to feel as weird about trying to connect with someone you don't know. Look up the people in your industry. Who are the people you would want to approach? Who are you interested in working with? Go connect with them. You'll see that a lot of them are going to connect back. And then follow up with those people and actually make sure that you don't just let it sit there. Send them a message. Once you're connected, you can message them. Sometimes you can message people you're some like you're three people removed from, but the best way to con- message someone is someone you're connected to. Once you get connected, send them a message. Don't be pushy. Don't be salesy. Just introduce yourself. Make sure you show a shared connection. Find something about their profile you can mention so they know that you're a real person who really did your research. And talk to them. Start that conversation. And then you can also participate in groups, which you didn't really talk about, but LinkedIn has a community, which I think a lot of people don't even think about. But there are like 2 million groups on LinkedIn, and they are in every industry, every interest, whatever it is, for every professional association, your alumni association, if you've got, you know, wherever college you went to. 
go in and join some. You can join up to a hundred of them. They're under the interest tab and start joining some that makes sense. It could be a mix of things like your alumni association or general kind of associations that will potentially help you find people to connect with. It can also be really specific things in the industries you want to work with or your peers. All of those things could potentially lead you to clients because they could be people that are searching for someone to do something. They could actually, if you're sharing knowledge in there, because you go into those groups and participate, you can share your articles, you can start discussions and show yourself as that expert. So the more you're able to produce, uh, participate in that area, the more people are going to find you. Um, and so I think that was five. Yeah, no, that okay. was super helpful. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, guys, go get go land some big banging corporate clients so you can get some steady income, yo. Do it. So Becky, where can people connect with you on the internet? So I created a landing page just for this so that people can make it really easy to find me. It's beckymollencamp.com. That's Mollencamp with a K, not a C. Beckymollencamp.com slash TCC. And on there, I have the free ebook I mentioned, I think I mentioned or that I didn't mention, but I have an ebook <laughs> about using LinkedIn. So a lot of this information we talked about, it's there. If you want to download it, that way you don't have to try to remember all of this. I go through all of those steps that are important to take. And I actually um, have just launched an e-course for people who like things to be a little more interactive and show me how to do all of these things. And it's really inexpensive. So you can go in and do that to so walk through how to use LinkedIn to find those corporate clients that hopefully will give you more money and even better, give you some more steady money. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, babe. Thank you. So good to be here. I love you. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.